gift of the liminal is that our defenses fall away. And so it's so uncomfortable to feel groundless, but when we stay with it and we meet it with some curiosity and compassion, we start to get little inklings of, oh, I would like to shift this element in this way. Welcome to Gathering Gold, a podcast for highly sensitive souls. I'm Cheryl Paul, a counselor trained in the Jungian depth psychological tradition. And I'm Victoria Russell, Cheryl's niece and co-host. We are recording this episode in the second half of January. We just tipped into the second half of the month. And... Cheryl and I were reflecting recently on how January is a liminal month. It starts off with a bang, with the end of the holiday season, New Year's. For many people, there's a lot of celebrations. Maybe some resolutions are made or intentions are set, and there might be some reflection and contemplation on the past as well as the future. And we were talking about what does it mean to be in this liminal month in January, where we are kind of standing in the doorway between two years. And Cheryl remembered a blog post that she wrote about 12 years ago now called January, the liminal month. And we read it together. And I asked you, Cheryl, well, it was 12 years ago. Does this feel relevant to you still? And you said, that's the thing about writing about these archetypes is, yes, it totally feels relevant and timeless. Mm -hmm. So Cheryl is going to share this beautiful post about the month of January, and we are going to unpack and explore how we can gather the gold of being in this liminal month. Mm. Holidays are often a busy time of year where you can expend a lot of energy in directions that may or may not be fulfilling. You may have attended many parties or socialized with friends and family in smaller gatherings. You may have spent money on gifts and received a nice pile of nifty new toys. You may have overeaten or overconsumed in a variety of ways. The old year comes to a close with December's bang and against the blank slate of a new year, heralded by the quiet month of January, we're often left with an emptiness that causes us to wonder, what now? January is named after the Roman god Janus, the god of the doorway. We walk through the final month of a year and then through the doorway of January, a new year. But as January is a doorway, it represents the liminal month of the Gregorian calendar, an in-between time when we're no longer in the old year, but haven't quite adjusted to the new one. You experience the liminal limbo zone when you're moving and your old house is packed up and empty, but the new house is vacant as well. You experience the liminal zone when you're a few weeks away from your wedding no longer single but not quite married. You experience the liminal zone during the final weeks of pregnancy 
and as a new mother when you've left the old life behind but haven't yet grown the new identity of mother. The liminal zone is when, quote, the egg is no longer and the chick is not yet. Martin Buber. Emotionally, the liminal zone is defined by a sense of unreality. How do you manage feeling out of control, ungrounded, and unsettled? If you're like most of the human race, I would venture to guess that your answer might be not very well. Humans like stability, certainty, and familiarity. We are creatures of habit and will resist change at all cost. We like solid ground and balk at the prospect of our familiar surroundings being altered in any way. And this is why transitions are so unnerving for most people. They're emotional earthquakes that force you from your safe, familiar ground and thrust you into the unknown. Yet there is great power in the liminal zone. It's during this stage when the veils of our familiar defenses are loosened and we're offered a clarified window into our true nature and our wounds. In this uprooted, out-of-control state, we're caught off balance. And in this softer, less guarded place, we have an opportunity to see ourselves more clearly. And if we seize the opportunity to transform aspects of ourselves that are no longer serving us. But in order not to become completely undone by the liminal zone, whether it's an engagement, new motherhood, or the month of January, we must find our places of solace, ground, and nourishment. The healthy depression that often accompanies the liminal zone only bears the fruit of consciousness if we find the courage not to run from the emptiness, but to view it as a gift and embrace it with curiosity. What does this time have to offer? What windows of awareness are opened when we slow down into ourselves after the flurry of December and walk through this January doorway with an intention to learn and grow? How can we meet the feelings of grief or loneliness, boredom or fear that may live inside this slowed down month with loving attention instead of fearing them and pushing them away, which only intensifies the uncomfortable feelings? Where can you sit and be with yourself in silence, even if it's only a few minutes a day? For me, water is my solace, my ground, and my place of nourishment. It's why I spent a lifetime searching for this land that backs to a creek. I knew that if I was going to honor the yearnings of my soul and live a fulfilled life, I needed to be close to water. I needed a natural body of water easily accessible, not a short drive away, not down the road, but in my backyard. When life pulls me in a hundred fractured directions, I only need to sit by the creek for 10 minutes to feel whole again. When the emptiness threatens to pull me into an unnecessary depression, the fullness of the water flowing reminds me that I can ride the quiet places of my soul back to a place of meaning. When I'm feeling the energy of my life 
extends only outward as I give to my children, my work, and my home. The great mother who is embodied by water cloaks me in her archetypal nourishment and reminds me that replenishment is only a breath away. When I sit by water, I am restored. What helps you feel grounded and nourished? What are the places of solitude where you can make space for the deep rest that the soul longs to experience during this season? What is your doorway? Take a few minutes right now in this moment to find out. Cheryl, I'm so glad that you introduced me to this concept of January being named after the Roman god Janus, who was the god of the doorway. Mm. I did a little reading about Janus, and of course, there's so much there. But one thing I read was often Janus is depicted as having two faces, looking ahead and looking behind. Mm-hmm. And I think what you speak to so well in the blog post is that off-center feeling that we can have when we are doing both those things. We are maybe reflecting on the past, looking forward to the future, trying to sift through what do I want less of this year? What do I want more of this year? It is kind of an arbitrary time to do that in some sense, right? It's like, why now? Why in the dead, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, why in the dead of winter? Why, (laughs) you know, when it's like hard? But at the same time, we have this calendar and it's an invitation to approach it from a place that makes sense to you or that feels good, not to set arbitrary goals, but to reflect and and to, to think about what intentions really make sense. And nevertheless, when we enter this second half of the month, you know, maybe we had, maybe we were lucky enough to have a break from work or school. Maybe we had some quiet days in the beginning of the month to reflect and contemplate. And then it's just like, bam, back to school, back to work. It's like everything starts hitting you. Maybe you have all these emails that piled up over the holiday break or, you know, your kids are getting sick and you have to manage childcare while you're trying to work. And it's almost this strange, like you said, decentering, groundless feeling to mm. try to hold on to that thread. If you did have some reflections and intentions that you were setting, trying to like hold on to that thread as you're being pushed back onto this fast moving carousel. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as you read that blog post. And you kind of came to that point at the end about finding your your point of solitude throughout the day and yours being water, going to the creek. What does that look like for you in winter when you might have tons of snow and the creek might be <laughs> icy, you know, and maybe your kid is sick and whatever's going on. And hypothetically. Maybe trying, <laughs> hypothetically. <laughs> and maybe you're trying yes. to, you know, review certain things about your business. You've got things going on. Like, what does that look like for you? 
how do you access that that moment of solitude when the day can just feel like a barrage? <laughs> mm. It was interesting to read the post now, 12 years later, because my life is very different in some ways. Well, you know, at the very basic level, my children were 12 years long younger. So Everest mm. would have been seven and Asha would have been two. Wow. <laughs> when I wrote that. And it was a very interesting reminder to me to go to the creek. I have not been down to the creek in this month of January. So full disclosure, first of all, it's been minus 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, and now it's starting to warm up. We're like a balmy 25 today, which actually oh feels gosh. really nice. So the <laughs> creek is indeed completely frozen over. There is no water flow happening. There is snow everywhere. Asher was quite sick this past week. So my places of stillness are different, at least in this moment, because I have not wanted to go down there. And yet I still feel the longing, even with the cold temperatures. It's literally, I can see it from where I'm sitting right now. It's, I don't know, 20 feet away. It takes so little to go down. And even though it's frozen over, and even though it's cold and snowy, it still brings me so much solace and ground and containment. And it's never ceases to be astonishing to me how we don't do the things, sometimes very simple things like walking 20 feet, that bring us more well-being. So this is an excellent reminder to me that when we are done with this call, if I have time before I go to get Asher, that I will walk down there and spend even just a few minutes. In lieu of that, my spiritual practice in other ways has bolstered, amplified a hundredfold in the last 12 years. So that I think at that time in my life, the creek was my oxygen and my salvation. I didn't have any other windows of time to actually to really devote to a more dedicated, formal spiritual practice like I've had in the past few years as my kids have gotten older. So although I haven't gone down to the creek, I have still done my practice, sat with my important spiritual books, done my rituals that I do, sit under my talit, say my prayers. Um, yesterday I went out as it started to kind of warm up again. The sun was out to put my hands on the apple tree and be with her for a few minutes and let the warmth of my hands penetrate into her very, very cold limbs. Um, and I just went around to different parts of the tree to to be with her because I had felt the absence. I had felt so many days had passed before I had been in that kind of relationship with that tree, as I've talked about many times here and in other places, that 
the relationship I have with that apple tree is very deep and meaningful to me. And so I will do things like that, that help me to come back into a place of ground and root amidst what I too feel is kind of an upside down time this month of January. And I'm so glad that we are here naming it together and revisiting that post and um, going into this archetypal, linking it to the archetypal place of, of the God Janus and this facing two directions of the two, the two heads. Because as we know what we can name, naming is another form of ground, right? Naming gives us ground. Naming contains an experience and reminds us, oh, this is not just me. This is happening for a lot of people right now. And it is, I've always found the Gregorian calendar to be quite arbitrary. Why do we start a new year? Not even on the solstice, right? Just January 1st. It's very random. It doesn't really make sense in my soul. But like you said, and yet it is our calendar. And so here we are. Our calendar starts over in January and it takes us a while to, to catch up. I always think about how when we were in school, when we were little in school, like elementary school, like how, I mean, I'm sure people still do this now, but I do it less. How long it took to remember to write to th the next year, you know? Yeah. And it was always so funny as a kid, like, oh, I just wrote 1982. Oops. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yep. I mean, you weren't even born in 1982, but I remember, you know, like the funniness and the humor and the silliness of that I was still in the other year and it takes a while to catch up. And so here we are in the middle of January, liminal, groundless, reviewing the past, looking forward into what's ahead. The question I asked in the blog post is what now, but also what next? You know, what as I'm as I'm as I'm looking into this year, what am I hoping to grow? What am, am, am I you know, anything from our financial world to our relationship world, to our friendship world, to our body and health world. And yeah, that can sound like New Year's resolutions or intentions, but I think this is even a deeper place that we can kind of feel into in the liminal, right? The gift of the liminal, as I say in the post, and as I say in many places, is that our defenses fall away. And so it's so uncomfortable to feel groundless, but the potency and the gift of it is that without the regularity and the consistency and the certainty or the illusion of certainty of life just going on and we're, we're in it and we're hitting the marks, when that kind of falls away and we have this perhaps a break from it over the holidays, and we come back and it's the wham, everything's in our face, but we're still carrying that, that, that blank slate element. And we feel kind of like, where am I? Who am I? And it's this questioning time. It can feel very unnerving. 
but to trust that in the questioning, when we stay with it and we meet it with some curiosity and compassion, that we start to get little inklings of, oh, I would like to shift this element in this way. You know, I would like to bring more energy into this part of my life. And let me, let me take it, let me at least start to feel into that, even though I don't know that January is necessarily the time for taking big action, but we start to feel that energy coming back. It starts to grow even more in February. The sap returns to the trees in February. It's so hard to make sense of that too, because we're often still very much in winter, in the cold of winter. But even the natural world, it's it's starting to move again. The light tipped and December 21st, as we talked about in the winter solstice episode. So there is already this shift happening in our natural world. There is a, a change in the light in the Northern hemisphere that we are growing more light each day. And so we can, we can tap into that. We can link into that and just gently place it into our stew, right? Place it into our vessel and our baskets. And as, as we feel into what is wanting to be nurtured, watered this year. There's something else about this idea of being in a doorway time Mm. that is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It struck me because I've been reading this book called Looking for the Hidden Folk, How Iceland's Elves Can Save the Earth by Nancy Marie Brown. Mm. I think a lot of people who enjoy our podcast would probably enjoy this book. It was recommended to me by my friend Haley, who owns a beautiful little nature bookshop called The Nature of Reading here in my town. Mm. Mm. And there's a chapter called Doors. And this one paragraph really stood out to me. I'd love to share it. I think you'll really like it, Cheryl. Yes, I'm excited. So the author is talking about how children see doors in the landscape all the time. Like if you go to a playground with children or a park, they will start pretending that things are doors. Like, you know, this hollow in the tree is a door to another world. And so she talks about doors, magical doors in literature. Mm. She says, Alice's door was a rabbit hole. Lucy's was a wooden wardrobe filled with Mm. old fur coats. International folklore contains countless tales in which a child or adult slips through an imaginary door and passes hours, days, or years in another world. Mm. Naturalists, grown men, occasionally imagine doors. Quote, between every two pines is a door leading to a new life, wrote John Muir in the 1890s. In the 1920s, Stephen Graham mused, as you sit on the hillside, or lie prone under the trees of the forest, or sprawl wet-legged by a mountain stream, the great door, the door that does not look like a door, opens. Mm. Mm. So I'm thinking about doorways into imagination and into wonder and awe and a more enchanted way of life. 
Mm. And how in those quiet moments that you talk about when we allow some quiet, when we seek out some solitude, sometimes we can also find a doorway into a different kind of presence or a certain more enchanted quality. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about over the summer when I decided to take myself on a little date to a town about an hour away where there is a, a, a flower farm. And I just wanted to check it out and buy some beautiful flowers from this flower farm. And I went by myself and then I went into the little town and I got lunch at a cafe and I went to a little shop where I wandered in and found the bookshelf and picked up a book called The Reenchantment of Everyday Life. Mm. And I thought, you know, that day, it was such a simple day. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it, it's like that became so special to me, just that one-on-one time with myself of going somewhere I hadn't been just to buy some beautiful flowers mm-hmm. and sit at a cafe and buy myself a book. And it's funny to think back on 2023 and just that very simple day like stands out so starkly in my memory. Mm. And that I think it's important to take note of that. Like what are the ordinary yet somehow very special moments that come come back to us when we're reflecting that we might think, oh, yes, I, I do want more of that. Mm. It's very beautiful. And I'm so glad you read that and are bringing in this motif of doors. And I have very vivid memories of being a young child on the playground and turning everything into a door and how magical that children live in that magical world of imagination and mysticism and enchantment. And that is so much of what we long for as adults, especially in this life that can feel like a grind. I'm also thinking about how I often use the metaphor or the analogy of when we walk through fear, we walk through the doorway of fear or panic, on the other side can be exhilaration. Mm. And that what's coming to me now is that it's not a one-time experience of walking through a door and then you're suddenly in the land of enchantment and exhilaration and magic, right? (laughs) We're walking through doorways all the time. Every day we're walking through doorways of a closed heart to an open heart, of a tight moment to an open moment, you know, of, I was thinking about this when we were away as a family We were having this really overall, it was a wonderful, very magical vacation for us. But we were having this hard afternoon where something that Everest was planning to do got canceled. He was very disappointed. All of a sudden, it was like the whole energy of our family just went like thump to the ground. And we were in this stuck place and I 
always have that thought when it happens on vacation, like, no, this isn't (laughs) supposed to be happening on our very special vacation. (laughs) But then right after that is like, yep, this is family life. And just because we're on vacation, we're not going to stop being humans who have negative interactions with each other and fall into this like funk of blah. And then something shifted. Somebody said, hey, do you want to go do this? It was something else. And the energy just moved. And it was with like we walked through a doorway, right, of heavy, stagnant, gray, depressing. And then just with one suggestion, I don't even remember what it was, we all kind of walked through metaphorically into a much nicer place to be. And it can happen that way where it's just in a moment, someone says something, you know, it can happen in partnership all the time. You're stuck, you're locked horns. Somebody has the grace and the wisdom to make a joke at just the right time and, you know, bring lightness and, and it's like a revolving door and we walk and we, and we all walk through it. So here we are in this month of doorways, right? And to be considering what did we just leave behind in Jan, in December? What are we standing in? And what are we, what would we like to walk toward and not, I think the, the trouble with resolutions and intentions is they're, they're just so literal and they're so goal oriented and there's nothing wrong with setting goals. I love goals. I think there's a lot of power in setting goals. So I don't want to say it that way. Like, like that's a wrong thing, but obviously it doesn't have a great success rate. And so I'm just, I'm feeling into the energy of the elves that like, (laughs) and these, what is it to bring, I haven't even read the book, but I'm just imagining, what is it to bring the energy of the elves to our reflection and contemplation? What is it to, to bring some element of magic and mystery and enchantment to this wobbly time? Right. To name the wobbly, if you're feeling unsteady, you are in good company, right? Victoria and I both last night were like, yeah, we're kind of feeling wobbly in a couple places. And <laughs> yep. Yeah, which led us to wanting to talk about January today. So to name it, to make room for it, to maybe even move with it literally, right? If you're watching this on video, like you're going to see me just like be wobbly and be floppy and let yourself embody what it is to not know and to be in uncertainty and to bring a little bit of lightness and silliness to like, oh, we're in this like floppy month, you know? (laughs) And then from the place of more ground to consult with the elven part of you. (laughs) 
what might be wanting to be more known. It's so interesting that you bring up that moment on vacation because Martin and I went on a little trip to Vermont and the Adirondacks last week, which was so nice. And we were cross-country skiing and I felt very unsteady and out of control and I got scared. Mm. And when Mm. I get scared, I get scary, as Brene Brown says. And when I think about it in terms of doorways, it was kind of like there was an invitation for me to walk through the doorway of fear. And what I did was slam the door. (laughs) I was like, nope, I'm going to slam this shut instead. And I'm going to pound on it with my fists. Mm. And I just think it's important to, to name that there are times when we know we're at a doorway, like in some way we sense it. And we kind of refuse, we slam it, we hold on to the frame and someone's trying to pull us through and we dig our nails into the frame of the doorway and we kick <laughs> and we pull ourselves back through. Yes. And that's that's true too sometimes, right? Or we we hang out in the doorway, we lean against it, or maybe we're walking through one of those revolving doors like at a mm-hmm. big office building or hot, and we're just like, I'm just going to go around this a few more times. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready yet. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. Just naming that and making space for that too. I think I I was so sad that I I was like, ah, oh, here I am again at this doorway of fear. And this time I just kicked the door closed. You know, I went back into mm-hmm. my old habits of just kind of acting, you know, kind of immature and mm. cranky. <laughs> In the face of fear. Yes, because that's what we do, because we're human and none of this is linear. And we go back into our old patterns all the time. And we try to have compassion for ourselves when we do that. What I'm thinking now is that January, as we've been saying, I don't think is the time to walk through the door, right? It's only the time to stand in the doorway and become curious about what is through the door. So I would like to offer a a guidance, a little visualization if you would like to join me. To imagine that you are at a doorway. And this is the doorway of 2024. So I encourage you to see this doorway however it appears to you. Is it is it lined with anything? Is it beautiful? Is it simple? What material is it? Is it of the natural world? Is it from is it a modern architecture? Really kind of spend a little time seeing your doorway of 2024 and knowing that 2023 is right behind you in in the long tunnel of time all of the years are behind you and the doorway is open so you can see 2024 through the doorway but 
Nobody's asking you to step through it. There's nothing to do right now, nothing to do, except to just stand at this doorway and become curious. If you were to allow yourself to imagine all goodness, to trust that you deserve all good things in 2024, that you are ready to receive this next layer of goodness around any area that comes to mind, your mental health, your physical health, your friendships, your romantic relationship, relationship with family members or children, your relationship to work, to money, to your spiritual life. And you see, you see maybe in images, maybe in just a sense of feeling what this good thing is. You, you feel it and you see it on the other side of the doorway. And it doesn't have to be literal. Just really soften your mind's desire for the literal, for the concrete, and open to the soft, to the imaginal, to the enchanted. And seeing yourself in this radiant place of having walked through a doorway and arriving that the vista that you are seeing through the doorway of 2024 is abundant, is juicy, is healthy, is alive, is beautiful. There is ease. And you see it, you see it there. It is for you, not to step into quite yet, but it is there for you. And you are allowing yourself in this one moment to dare to take in, to receive that you are deserving of this next good, fruitful, abundant, healthy thing, whatever that is for you. And remembering that you will not be doing any of this alone. It is not all up to you. That we have supports in this realm and other realms that want your wholeness. That our own unconscious, our own wise inner guide deeply desires our wholeness is here for good our goodness and that there are allies and supports all around and you may see some of them as you peer through the doorway who are your allies who are the people supporting you 
in this world, in other worlds, in the natural world. Suspending disbelief, opening to the enchantment of elves, to that world that we sense is there just beyond the veil, which is another doorway. Thank you, Cheryl. That was so beautiful. I really went somewhere with it. <laughs> I'm glad. And if any of you listening went somewhere, I encourage you to take some time to be with it, to write it down, to maybe draw some images, get out your markers. What what colors did you see? And if and if all you draw is the doorway of 2024, that's wonderful. That's a lot. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you to Jarrett Farkas for the use of our beautiful new theme music. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe or follow, leave us a review, share it with a friend, and consider joining our Patreon, where we share regular bonus content and also host virtual meetups. Visit patreon.com slash gathering gold to learn more. 